Hello and welcome to the Rational Standard Podcast, a special episode before South Africa's life-changing, country-changing elections, as all the elections seem to be. Uh, local government elections coming up on the 1st of November. Hopefully you've got a chance to listen to this before you go and cast your ballot, because of course we'll give you political advice, ideological advice, tell you who to vote for, make all of your decisions for you. That's what we're here for. <laughs> to start off with, Arman Pretorius, we're also joined by Mr. Martin van Staden. Uh, I will link all of their respective uh, publications, tabs, everything else below. Unfortunately, Herman doesn't have a Twitter anymore, so what's the point really of, of anything in this life? But Herman, not to bury the lead, uh, the African National Congress, how well are they, how well they going to do in the local government elections 2021? Well, um, so my colleagues at the Institute of Race Relations have made a gutsy call uh, that, that the ANC is going to fall beneath 50% or below 50%. And, and I think that's wrong. Um, I just think that's uh, that that's wrong. The ANC has a has an ability um, to uh, have in the in the final weeks of an election campaign. They are known for their squeeze tactics. They have this. It, it's a, it's a standard uh, tactic and maneuver, as it were, of the ANC in an election campaign. Is that they are quite disorganized and quite chaotic up to a point, and in the final week or two, even three weeks, they they pivot to a squeeze. And you always see this happening, uh, whether you follow the internal pollings of these various parties or if polling is available, whether it's on national or provincial level, you always get the ANC, you know, eking out uh, between three and six percentage points, uh, improving their standing in the last few weeks. So I think we'll see an ANC squeeze um, that will push it probably above 50 percent, uh, which would be sad. I mean, it would be a great psychological victory uh, uh, or, or just not victory, but just step forward, just an announcement that the paradigm can shift um, for the ANC to fall beneath 50% in in, in, uh, in an election, a nationwide, you know, representative portion. Um, but the thing is that where Fakile Mbalula a few weeks ago said the ANC is planning to spend 50 million rand, I mean, you can take that and you can times it by, you know, almost six and you get the true amount of money that they're going to spend. They're probably going to spend close in the area of 300 million. Um, so don't believe the 50 million uh, headline figure. However, the 300 million is still significantly less than the 1 billion rand they reportedly spent in the 2016 elections. Um, so I think when it comes to the ANC, um, they have a good turnout machinery. The, the, I mean, the machinery is is showing signs of strength, of course, uh, but it's still quite prominent. It's still quite um, uh, uh, formidable. Um, and they have the biggest campaigning budget in the country. So I do think between now and the election campaign, we'll probably see the ANC starting to uh, do the squeeze maneuver pushing them from the high 40s uh, to the low 50s. Uh, Martin, the ANC, I mean, they've really punted President Ramaphosa as the party leader, and he seems to be the sort of quote-unquote success story that they're trying to base their messaging on, and his charisma at least. I don't know, maybe maybe they need to do more campaigning in Seapoint, and then they can actually win the election because he does do quite well when he goes for for a jog there. Um, so maybe maybe that's a better strategy for them. But do you think that's going to pay off for them, sort of riding the Ramaphosa ticket, as it were? Um, I know it's we often talk about US politics, obviously, as it's so uh, character and personality-based, but I, I think the same could apply in South Africa. Mm. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that's definitely going to play a role. Uh, the ANC, I, I think a lot of people in our in our corner broadly have now come out and said that uh, Jacob Zuma was the best the best hope for South Africa in many ways. In that he his persona and his very uh, I guess glaring uh, uh, corruption and so on. Uh, was really going to tank the ANC at some stage. His total lack of of regard to to the damage he is doing. Uh, in Ramaphosa, you definitely have a different person. You have someone who really comes across as sincere and uh, against uh, corruption. And uh, there's still this air of he's this reformer and he's gonna he's gonna right the ship, even though he's been uh, president now for what's it? It's about three years, four years, something like that, more. Um, and he's been uh, at the very top of the ANC establishment for far longer. So there, none of that is true, of course. But uh, he does have that uh, that uh, uh, positive vibe around him that I guess could get people out to vote. Um, now, I, I guess the hope really is uh, on the 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 increasing pool of non-voters in south africa one would one would hope that that is where the anc is really losing people who came out in 2016 and cast a vote for the anc and now they just said well i got an anc council last time i voted i'm still i still don't have access to water i still don't have uh uh refuse removal services so what's the point of voting this time one hopes that is the case uh, so i I, I have no basis on which to agree or disagree with Armand or the IRR, but I guess I'm just uh, I'm just hoping that this is the the point where the ANC falls below 50. Now I'm not sure what that really what the relevance of that necessarily is in a in a municipal uh, election. Uh, it's it's not like we're determining the the share of parliament now. Uh, each each municipality is its own mini election essentially. So that's that's where the real uh, focus should be. So I guess one would have to have regard to the main hubs of economic uh, growth in South Africa, or the, those which have the potential to be hubs of uh, economic growth, Johannesburg, Durban, uh, Cape Town, Pretoria, and see what's happening there. And I guess that's... Uh, Not Pretoria, though. Yeah, well, ex especially Pretoria, the uh, the very uh, center of, of, uh, of South Africa's... Uh, 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 emancipation so um, um so, so, sorry chris i couldn't hear you of that noise of the administrative capital <laughs> yeah so so yeah i i guess uh, that's that's where we should look i guess look at the the metro the uh, metropolitan municipalities uh there it's the anc and has been on the uh has gone below 50 percent. so one would now uh want to see the anc losing more votes uh, and also see the EFF losing <laughs> more votes, but that's a that's a dream that I have that I know is unfortunately not going to pay off. Um, and and maybe force these uh, municipalities into some unstable coalitions. And I, I emphasize unstable. You don't you do not want stable coalitions because then that kind of undermines the whole point of having coalition politics. Uh, you do want them to constantly check one another, and if uh, they don't do what needs to be done. The, the coalition should collapse. So yeah, uh, and Ramaphosa is the, he's their ticket. He's on. He's the face on their uh, on their posters during a municipal election. I mean, the DA is also doing this. Uh, John Stianazen's face is on many DA posters, which I find very very bizarre. 
um, uh, uh, and the EFF has also been doing this. I haven't seen one EFF poster that does that uh, has a mayoral candidate's face on it or a, a ward candidate's face on it. I've seen a few DA, a few. Uh, uh, I haven't seen that with the Freedom Front either. Uh, the Freedom Front Plus. It's also just been Peter Grunewald's face. So yeah, this is. It's it's almost like we're having a mini national election now. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but but Ramaphosa is the ANC's. Uh, the, the the big gun that they're they're rolling out so let's let's see what happens let's see if south africans are uh, are smart enough this time to see through the the lie Herman, you you've probably commented on this in different contexts but just for the rs listeners is there a straightforward answer for why people keep on voting anc is it a multifaceted sort of point is it i guess loyalty something i mean the liberation point is presumably still quite quite strong just just a, i thought to give you a chance a little bit on that because people i mean a lot of people often say well just look because the lights are out there's load shedding look at the credit rating how can you still vote anc and i think it's it doesn't help you understand why people vote certain ways to so just say oh well it's just low iq or whatever yeah, no, I, I get very annoyed with that sort of lazy analysis, uh, just, you know, low IQ voters. I, and I, I get extremely frustrated by people on our side of the ideological divide uh, when when they are incredibly dismissive of um, the voters en masse. Now, I think there is a, a per permissible amount of dismissiveness when you that, that one can have, but um, I, I really despise the lazy thinking of just assuming that people are unthinking. Uh, and, and one of the reasons I say this is when you look at the 63% that the ANC got in 1994, that was representative of 54% of uh, eligible voters. Uh, so of all the people who could have voted in the country, um, the ANC got the support according to the results. I mean, that's a whole different discussion of 54%. Um, compare that to the 2019 elections where they got 75%, uh, 57%, excuse me, 57% of the vote, and that's representative of less than 29% of the vote. So what's actually happened in is not that the ANC support has been static. It's been proportionally static. I mean, it's it, it only dipped six percentage points actually in, in, in the, the superficial data. But the ANC has lost millions of voters uh, due to um, loss of faith in electoral activity. Um, and there's this very interesting inverse correlation if you look at um, the decline in voter participation uh, and the, uh, the, 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 the uh, increase in service delivery protests. Uh, over the last decade, where service delivery protests um, have gone up by 440%. So we are looking at people still being faced with the societal community problems, service delivery problems that they were faced with 10 years ago. Uh, they've just lost faith in the ballot box as, as a way to address those points. They've, they've, ta they've taken to other political, non-democratic or non-electoral means that they are still participating and probably more aware of the shortcomings of anti-service delivery than the three of us would be. Um, so why do people still vote for the ANC? Well, some of it is because is the Liberation Party. They, they, they voters tend to be older, uh, you know, 55 and above. Um, then there is just the fact that 
why do people keep voting ANC? Well, in a way, they don't uh, keep voting ANC. They've lost millions of voters now to the great embarrassment and 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 the shame of opposition parties. Those voters haven't found an alternative home um, politically, uh, but. Uh, it, it, it's not as simple as to say that why do people keep on voting for the ANC? Uh, but also, then there is something, and I think this was said by Richard Spoor once. Um, the ANC, with its patronage network, almost functions as a bit of a lottery. That you keep on buying that ticket because your ship, your patronage ship might come. You might get the Tatama chance and therefore the Tatama millions. Um, where... As long as you stay loyal, you can get access to the feeding trough. Um, so I do think that there is some cynical voters uh, that, that, that play the ANC patronage lottery in that way. I think that's part of the reason why um, they support uh, the ANC stubbornly. Uh, but then there's also, of course, the fact that um, for all the, 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 the efforts of non-racialists. Uh, politics uh, ha is still defined racially. In, in South Africa, the media bears a lot of blame for this. Musi Maimane bears a lot of blame for this. Helen Zilla bears a lot of blame for that one. You can take this even back to Tony Leon. And I'm, you know, shooting at people on my own side here. Um, people, at least Helen and Tony Leon, have, have, have really, you know, I think, seen the errors of their ways and are now trying to, to rectify it. But there is still this idea that the ANC is the party for black people. Um, if you're black, then um, that is statistically still one of the strongest determiners um, in South Africa of, of uh, voting behavior uh, is race. And as long as us classic liberals, libertarians, capitalists, whatever you want to call us, um, this family of ideological conviction, as long as we can't break through that, uh, I, I think we we are in a way screwed in, in in this downward trajectory of stable ANC support. And in in this regard, I'm very very curious about the Zambian elections. And I've been trying to to speak to people in in the UPND campaign as to how did they manage to make the Zambian election, the presidential election of a few months ago. Um, not about tribal politics and ethnic politics, because uh, South Africa has race. Zambia had ethnicity with a patriotic front uh, state in government because it had the support of, you know, the ethnic majority. Um, but then in this last election, you saw, um, you know, anti-ethnic voting almost, where the tribes took secondary interest uh, or secondary priority to the national interest. And I'm very, very curious as to how a classically liberal perhaps more conservative, more socially conservative uh, 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 strain of classic liberalism, but still classic liberalism, managed to get 57% of the vote in, a, in an African country that has been under socialist rule for 22 years. Um, so I, I do think that there's hope, and, I, and, and I, I do think that it can be done right, but the, the tragedy is that people still vote ANC for those reasons. Loyalty, the patronage lottery, um, uh, um, well, let, let me add another category of loyalty, not just loyalty on liberation, but loyalty on the 10 years of good service delivery that this country saw between 1997 and 2007. I th those were good, objectively good economic years um, with, with warts, but still pretty good and service delivery boomed in that time. Um, so you have these factors and then, of course, the race factor. Which is, which is tragic. So I think collectively you can find some reason in that. And an interesting point about uh, Ramaphosa as the poster uh, 
you know, the, the, the banner carrier for the ANC. He is objectively, according to the opinion polls I've seen uh, from some of the internal parties and from the Institute of Race Relations, he is their strongest electoral asset. He has an approval rating of 60%. Even now, even now, 49% of South Africans strongly approve of him and 11% uh, approve of him. Um, so he still is popular. And I, I, I think that is why they play to their strengths. I mean, for all their ills, the ANC aren't completely idiots. Um, so if you have an electoral asset, use it. And I think that's what's happening with uh, Ramaphosa. Although if I can just quickly add on that, I mean, the, the point you made uh, in the beginning, Herman, I think bears emphasizing in that the ANC is effectively a minority government. Uh, and that's something that's not uh, uh, often remembered in, 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 by, by the opponents of, of the ANC. Uh, there is this impression, and I, I'm, I'll speak plainly. It's it's mostly from from white South Africans uh, who who we we engage a lot, uh, who say, yeah, the uh, the majority of South Africans, black people, uh, are voting for their own doom. The the fact is that's simply not the case. That is that's not the reality. A, the ANC governs with a a a relatively small minority of eligible voters. Uh, so. If you see people voting age, uh, black, poor people, the, the chances that the, there is no, nothing that necessarily says they vote ANC. That's definitely not a given. Uh, and this is something that uh, going forward, uh, really as a general rule, I think people should do well to remember. Uh, and I always come back to the IRR's research in, in this respect that really shows that by far most South Africans across color lines really get along uh, uh, very well and uh, mm -hmm. very few people really become uh, victims of the ANC and their uh, uh, friends in the EFF's racial narratives to push this idea that oh, there's uh, white monopoly capital and blacks uh, should just hate whites and that, that, so that doesn't find purchase amongst the rank and file of ordinary South Africans. The ANC mm -hmm. governs with a, a core of uh, the and all the reasons you've mentioned Armand sound uh, very very uh, about right to me. Uh, that's that's a core of people that they've grabbed onto and who will probably keep on voting for the ANC. Um, but increasingly at the edges, I think people who will, will fall away uh, uh, and probably not vote at all. So the, the mm -hmm. value of the ballot box is to be doubted. Uh, but hopefully they will come to the ballot box and, and give their vote to another party. But but you make a, a very strong point about the, <laughs> the lack of alternatives. And I mean, this, this really jumped at me in the context of this municipal election in that I, I read a few articles, I haven't read all the manifestos, but I read a few articles summarizing the the various parties' manifestos, and I was like, this is the same manifesto. This is all the same thing. It is exactly the same thing. Uh, the the DA obviously can say we've, we've actually implemented some of this stuff, it works. Uh, so there is that, um, but no one really has a different vision. Uh, the only two things that jumped out at me was the EFF said that they, <laughs> I can't believe this, but they said they want to establish special economic zones in the municipalities that they govern where there will be no taxes and none of that. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. They fight for economic freedom. Martin. Yes, suddenly they do. Uh, and the Freedom Front also wants special economic zones in their municipalities. But other than that, Everyone says the same things. We want to fix broken water pipes. We want to keep the lights on. Uh, uh, we want to capacitate the, the metro police. We want uh, everyone wants their municipal councillors now to sign uh, ethics statements or something that uh, if they do something, they'll 
be fired or something, presumably. But everyone is saying the same thing. There is no, there is no alternative vision. And a lot of people come with the story of like, uh, Martin, seriously, with your classical liberal idealism, this is a, a local election. Service delivery is what matters here. No, no. People want vision. People want, when they go to the waste the whole day that the president has now given them off of work they waste the whole day standing in a line in the blazing sun they want more than we get things done or uh we're gonna have service delivery they they want a a new vision for a bright new future uh, that's what people want to vote for uh, that's why the anc i think uh, to a large extent did so well it was all it was so clearly the the antithesis of apartheid at some point and that's that, that was the vision of the the new south africa that they sold and the eff really since the 2013 has been selling a very bright vision a very clear vision of a socialist we'll call it a hellhole but for people who understand uh, or, or who don't understand the, the finer points of economics and who don't uh, uh, have an interest in the history of communism around the world, the, the EFF is really selling a vision. It's, it's, a, it's a, a brave new world of, of, of hope and uh, money for everyone, houses for everyone. It's, it's just uh, promise after promise. And there's, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of substance there. We don't agree with the substance, but there is substance there. And and increasing, and the, the, the DA has now tried over the last few years, I think much to their credit, to also bring back some of their substance from their intellectual tradition. But it, but but just before the, the national elections, that's gone. Now it's just that we get things done. Well, congratulations. We, want, we don't want to hear about you getting things done. We want to hear about what is liberal democracy as a as a uh, intellectual tradition what is that going to give us here on the ground uh don't just say you're going to do what the law says you need to do we need to know what 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 else is there and and i think in the absence of that uh there is no alternative for for people who have been voting anc every election for the last while of course they're gonna they're gonna look at the field and they're gonna be like well there is nothing here i'm not a hardcore uh, communists, so I'm not going to vote EFF, so I might, might might as well make the X for the ANC again. So yeah, we 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 need some uh, radicals in all of the opposition parties to really come to the forefront. Adamon, before you answer or push push back or agree with Martin, I mean, uh, uh, and you can work this into your your next sort of response. But on the official opposition, the Democratic Alliance. And the sort of some of the analysis that with the posters, especially in um, in Phoenix, how and this was Tony Leon's point on a podcast with Peter Bruce was that they were consistently pushing the service delivery message and then the posters distracted from that. So I hear Martin's point about you actually need some sort of galvanizing message to get people out there. I disagree with him about a wasted day because I don't think voting is ever wasteful, just by the way um but yeah just just work that into your your response and whether you th what yeah your thoughts on on the da's chances yeah so i i am going to push back a bit not too much but just a bit um the thing is uh that you have to face the facts that municipal governance isn't terribly ideological um and in, in, in a country like South Africa, I almost want to say that it's, it's, 
Uh, I don't know if this is right. I'm going to I'm going to say it and then listen with charity to what I'm trying to say. Um, I, I almost think it's not the job of a political party to sell an ideology. Um, I think it's the job of it's upstream from politics is ideological setting. It's up to Free Market Foundation, Sarkley, IRR, the Freedom Advocacy Network. That's where the selling of a vision comes in. Um, I think, I think I might be wrong. Not, not. An, it's not an absolutist statement, but it's it's a tough call when you're a political party and you've got a fixed budget. You need to get voters to vote for you. Um, so you need to. You don't have. And this is going to sound terribly cynical, but you don't have time to educate your voters ideologically during an election campaign. It, you don't have the resources to do that. And that's why I think the three of us do what we do. Uh, because we do have time, because we're not election bound, we're not running for office, we do have the time and the will, and, and that's the efforts we are trying to put in, to educate ideologically. Um, and the, the, the real world constraints of a political party heading into an election is that you are publishing a manifesto and a poster, not a study guide or a syllabus. Um, I think you they, they, there's a fundamental educational deficit for classical liberals in South Africa. And I can understand that the expectation might be that during an election campaign, it's the time to address that deficit. But if I'm going to be charitable to my friends in party politics, especially in the DA, you have to spend your money there where you know it will deliver. And I know that the, the DA delivers. I know that tested well. And I know people like it. The polling shows that people like it, and that's what motivates them to vote. So while the IRR data shows that South Africans share priorities and positions of non-racialism and focus and how jobs are the root out of inequality, even racial inequality, we shouldn't, we should be very careful not to read into that basket of positions an ideological identity with which South African voters are eager to associate during an election campaign. So when it comes to the DA gets things done, I do think that's the best angle they can take because it is true and you only have a, a certain number of posters, a certain number of money, uh, a certain number of, 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 of days and so on to, to get people to the polls. And then you can't start from, you know, mole taking it through to Hayek. Um, that said, the posters, uh, I think Tony Leon is absolutely right. And and this is the weird thing, because I, I do love electoral politics. I've been fascinated by it since, you know, before I was three. Hashtag true story. Um, and I always make the joke that um, I loved the, the first real election that I, that I followed intensely was the 2010 UK election. And then in 2011, we had the municipal elections here. And then in 2012, we had Romney versus Obama. And in 2013, there wasn't supposed to be an election. And then the Pope resigned. So we had a papal election. So I, I, I always uh, make the joke that for the last decade, there hasn't, gone, there hasn't been a year where there wasn't an election campaign that I deeply invested myself into. Um, and I'm not even a Catholic. Uh, but the, the, the papal conclave was, was an interesting thing to try and follow. But the... So I wear two riveting television. Yes, no, I must say, just looking at a chimney going, is it privileged or previously disadvantaged smoke? It's privileged. Habemus papam. Anyhow, um, so the uh, 
I wear two hats when I look at elections. I am an I I, I am an advocate for classical liberalism, uh, and and I do wear the ideologue hat. But then, because I love politics and and the electoral campaigning, I also wear the hat of what would I do were I in that in, in that position? Where would I spend my money? Where would I put my resources? How can I boost turnout? And in that regard, when it's an election campaign, it's the real politic uh, election campaigning person in me that wins out, thinking that when it's an election campaign, it's about getting votes, not necessarily about you know winning hearts and minds. That's a longer term project. And I think that the fundamental mistake of the posters to address that point very, very briefly. Um, and I spoke to people within in within the DA and their greatest criticism of the posters of the, you know, the uh, don't see this right as an ideological right of the right minded people, not the far right minded people, the right minded people in the DA. Their criticism of the posters are not that they were brusque or bold or robust it was that they were off message. Um, and as someone who's run campaigns and who's read up on you know every single campaign I can, message discipline during a campaign is the highest god of campaigning. Um, so my criticism on the posters is, I think, exactly right, uh, 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 right alongside uh, Tony Leon's criticism, was that they were really making progress with the DA gets things done, service delivery, service delivery, service delivery message. And then this came, um, and it was an unnecessary distraction. Um, so I do think that's right, and I do think uh, I, I, that, that that's the thing. I'm often very envious of Martin uh, being one of the high priests of of classical liberalism in South Africa. Um, is is he? If people like me, we're out in the mission stations trying to figure out how many how many holy scriptures we need this month. And Martin is just there reading and meditating and praying. Um, so his knowledge of the, the abstractions of the theory and even of the application is far superior to my own. But I, Martin, I do think that you are being a tad unkind with just the nuts and bolts of, of classical liberal politics. But I can't say you're completely wrong, though. If I may respond, uh, Chris. Uh, Martin, just before you do, because yes. you, only, you, you will get a chance. Don't worry. This isn't a, a debate with... Uh, okay, never mind. This isn't a debate. <laughs> so you will get a chance to respond. <laughs> but, okay, because Adamant dodged the question about how the DA will perform. So just work that into your your sort of next, next diatribe, as it were. Yes. <laughs> okay. So yeah. Look. So I I, I take the point entirely that um, uh, uh, municipal elections are more bread and butter and and less theoretical. But when I look at and and I must say I am a uh, I'm someone of a very distinct interest in South African politics and South African political history. So uh, uh, the rest of the world might uh, uh, be totally uh, inconsistent with what I think I've seen. And that is that. The National Party, when it uh, uh, really roared to success uh, in a in a very uh, in in several elections in a, in a very uh, massive way, increasing its its voter share and share of parliament in a in a in a very very big way, it was always backed up by and I, I like Ellen Zilla's word for this. I saw it on Twitter a few years ago, uh, an ecosystem uh, of a. Uh, and, and if you read South African history, you'll often uh, read about the nationalist press, uh, uh, the, the nationalist uh, uh, civil society, 
completely identifying various things in, in South African society with a political party. Now, the National Party really did that brilliantly. And and to, to what end? Was it doing it out of, um, was, was it funding? Was it uh, uh, establishing these institutions, creating this, what I referred to earlier as substance behind their electoral messages? Was it doing this really for the good of the Afrikaner people or far more uh, uh, basically, was it doing it to, to win votes? Uh, and I think the latter answer, uh, there's probably uh, in, in its subjective estimation a bit of the, of the former, but of the latter, I think that was what was usually in the forefront of their minds. They wanted to create an ecosystem, uh, a, a movement, a, a groundswell for their ideas uh, and then create that substance behind them. Now, the African National Congress has done the same thing. Uh, and uh, uh, not the necessarily the ANC, but uh, in my reading, really the the, the South African Communist Party uh, uh, over over the years has provided that ecosystem. It has it has been in academic journals, and I'm not saying that yeah, you we need people to write more academic articles, and that's going to lead to an explosion in votes. But there is a trickle down effect. Uh, uh, that's that's quite. Uh, I, I guess one way to think about it is uh, in the 60s, articles were written about justice and they were published in, 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 in uh, prestigious journals and uh, uh, journalists uh, read them, anti-apartheid journalists read them and they wrote about that. And that might have led to Johnny Clegg singing his famous anti-apartheid songs uh, leading to international uh, um, uh, condemnation of this system. Uh, and And that comes out of this ecosystem of what is effectively today the ANC slash EFF press. Uh, we, uh, I, I think we can broadly agree that that is unfortunately where we stand. Uh, even though there is some moderate ANC press, they're not rabidly ANC, they are still ANC press at the end of the day. Uh, and the ANC Academy, uh, the EFF Academy, there is uh, the DA, the IFP, the Freedom Front Plus, Good, uh, Ahang, whoever else, they have none of this. Absolutely zip. The Progressive Party did not have an ecosystem. It never strove towards an ecosystem uh, since it was uh, founded. Uh, it, it got the, the sympathy of various English language press in South Africa, but th they were never the, the Progressive Press. They were not owned by... Uh, where we had the NASPERS, the nationalist press. We never had the, the pro-press, the progressive press. It, there was never that effort. There was, since the progressive party was founded and it became the, 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 DA, the DP and then the DA, there has always been a focus on the election. There has never been a focus on creating the ecosystem to fill the gap between the, the elections and uh, uh, building up that that ground swell, creating, uh, communicating that substance of what our vision for South Africa is to academics, to journalists, and at the end of the day, to ordinary people. That effort has, has really never been made in, in the DA uh, and, and various other parties. That, that effort has never been made. The EFF, I think, is achieving that to an extent, even though I, I, I'm not sure I can say they're making that effort. Uh, I think they're, they, they want to uh, eat at the trough more than they want to uh, create this, this uh, ecosystem. But, but you've seen it happen. You've seen 
various blogs with not not insubstantial readership uh, being pro EFF, saying that this is simply the only way to go. They understand the plight of of the black man in South Africa. You have seen rabidly uh, communist uh, academics in South Africa's universities. Uh, an, an unthinkable thing, uh, uh, really just a few short years ago, uh, people being brazenly in the ideological camp of specific political parties. There's none of that for the DA, not, literally nothing. It doesn't exist. Now, the point that Arman makes, and I, I think he's totally right, is that you don't have, in, in the space of an election campaign, you, you simply don't have the money or the resources to educate people about mill. Uh, but Please don't educate people about mill. There are better liberals. Yeah, I was going to say, please just have uh, yeah. copies of, of Anthem and Atlas Shrug. Rather do that. that that's even better than mill, yes. <laughs> but I, I would start with some some simpler liberals there. Uh, uh, so I understand that. I understand that the DA can't put up posters quoting Locke or whatever and then expecting South Africans to understand self-ownership and the... Uh, the finer, finer details of, of uh, the free market system or whatever like that. So in that context, that we get things done message makes sense. But my, my criticism of the DA is that behind that, behind that message, all they have is their actual experience. They, they, have, they, did, they are getting things done. I'm not, I'm not taking that away from the DA. Uh, as, as a government, they are quite effective, even though he's, as a liberal, I don't want them to always be that effective, but but it's true. What they say is true, uh, and I, I have no reason to doubt that that that's that's polling well with people. But I think there there is that 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 voter who he hears his his uh, clock ring on election day, and he he knows he thinks that I will never vote for the ANC. They have destroyed the country. I'll never vote for the EFF. Uh, they want a communist uh, a dictatorship of the proletariat or whatever. But am, am I going to get out of bed to to vote for, for the DA when I don't really see any substance behind them? I, I think there is that voter that uh, that's going to decide to turn around in his bed and, and keep sleeping. Uh, and and I think uh, I mean I mean this is a long story and it's, it gets quite abstract uh, the further back you go. But I think there is something to be said for the DA has it. It's had many opportunities to create this ecosystem, to get to this point where it could have more ideological messaging. And then with that, I don't mean a thesis like I would uh, ideologically message. Uh, there are practical practical ways to do that but where it could get to a point where it can do that and and really can present its vision for south africa a real alternative vision and then have south africans understanding that i think there there that could could have happened and it could still happen in the future if the da and other parties freedom front whoever else takes the conscious decision to create that ecosystem the liberal ecosystem to to, to not just stand aloof from these think tanks, but to have its own think tank, to have its, uh, to, 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 uh, <laughs> yes, uh, with, with the director being uh, Armand Pretorius, <laughs> uh, uh, but, and, and, and sh don't, don't shy away from creating its own newspapers. Uh, to my knowledge, that's not yet illegal, uh, but, but do it, mm -hmm. uh, just, just do it. Uh, have have the the 
the Liberal Daily or whatever. Just just do something. Look at what the National Party did. Look at what the ANC did in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and do it. Do not have a tunnel vision focus on every election and then a tunnel vision focus on governing. There is something extra that you need, and that is the the vision for the future, the ideology, the the the, the ecosystem. Uh, so that's a, a long way of me. Act, I'm I agree with everything you said, Arman, but that's just a long way of of qualifying uh, what I what I said earlier. And then just quickly on Chris's point on uh, how the DA will will uh, fare. I don't think it's gonna. I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not optim- optimistic. <laughs> uh, uh, I I'm I'm not optimistic. I think. If uh, I'm, I'm going to bring it back to the posters because I the, the DA has been losing votes and I think there's been a few blunders now, but I think that when they decided to put up the posters or whoever decided to put up the posters, the party should have just committed. Uh, mm-hmm. The fact that they took them down uh, uh, means that there is a a situation where they are now again trying to please people who would never vote DA. And the chances of it finding forgiveness amongst the people who would vote DA and who who were, who were DA voters uh, and who complained about the um, who complained about the posters will now forgive it. I don't think that's going to happen. So the the removal of the posters, I think, was a, was a bad idea. Even though uh, putting up the posters in the first place might have also been a bad idea. So uh, if if that could be a small microcosm of the DA's. Uh, I guess their their chances this election. I'm I'm not optimistic. I, I'm 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 really not optimistic about their chances. Uh, but at least the IRR research that that uh, I think one of you referred to earlier uh, says that there's going to be a nice healthy chunk of the vote that's going to be split between smaller parties. So it's not necessarily that the 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 DA uh, doing worse is necessarily going uh, to benefit the ANC. So there is there is that at least. Chris, can I? Uh jump in here i think i mean i can't agree more with with anything that martin has said i i think he's absolutely right the the concern we sort of face is a race against time in a in a, in a very weird way because if one has to be historically honest you can draw a line from the abolitionist movement in the uk to the politification or the party politification of it in the republican party um, and, and it took a matter of decades to go from Wilberforce to Lincoln, um, where you have, and, and that's why I mentioned earlier, this upstream element, you need to be upstream. The question is just, you know, how we, we, we've also, we, it's almost as if three races are being run in South Africa now. How quickly can the socialists screw up the country to a point of no return? How quickly can an electable alternative capitalize on um, the failures of the ANC? And how quickly can the upstream ideological education or activation is perhaps a better word than education, because these people don't need to be educated about classical liberals. They are already, in the broader sense, you know, pro-freedom. So how can they be activated to um, feed into a stronger body politic? And the the it, it I mean it's it's hindsight is 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 twenty twenty, but the DA the DP did a did quite spectacularly going from you know nineteen ninety four to nineteen ninety nine, um, going I think from two point four percent to nine point something, um, 
and I'm, and the DP uh, posters from from those election campaigns from the '90s were things like what's it, free markets, freedom, what's it, freedom, federalism, and free markets, or something like that. And, mm. and I, I mean, just I I I I, I wouldn't make the language uh, you know too too graphic, but it does something to me um, yeah. when when I see those those posters. It's it's just it's just beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. But the then the historical anomaly of the chasing of growth and this is going to be weird i think the da became too eager to grow um but the problem was then you do have the national democratic revolution charging forward and there is something to be said for let's overtake that train so that we can get it off the tracks in an ideal world the da would go from a nine percent party to an eleven percent party to a 13% party, all the way up to what I think is probably a realistic ceiling of 28, 30%. And then had they chosen to take that route of free markets, freedom, federalism, as their mythos to go into the ideological uh, battle of ideas in South Africa, I think that would have been the exact, that would have... it would have rippled out into the ecosystem that I think you and I both desire. But then there was something to be said for, you know, there is a national democratic revolution that we have to take, overtake, and then get rid of. So I'm not excusing the DA's loss of, let's be honest, loss of identity, of ideological identity. But I do think that hindsight is is 2020. And if we want to be completely honest now, I would almost want the party to focus on getting votes so that the rest of us can focus on that ideological activation. And then to have the party, as you say, be open to that sort of interaction and that sort of, you know, uh, symbiotic relationship. Um, But the... it's, it's, It's these three things. It's these matters of time, these three time sensitive issues um, that really pushed the DA into, and all South African classical liberals in a way, into an impossible position where there's nothing right to win. If if they were to launch this liberal activation angle, that would detract from their resources just to manage as a political party and ensure that they keep on giving those baby steps that is necessary for the momentum and the perception of growth and therefore credibility from your ordinary electorate. So at the end of the day, when I think about where the alternative should come from, I think there's a far greater responsibility on NGOs like the Free Market Foundation, like the IRR, like the Freedom Advocacy Network, like Sarkalicha, um, to promote uh, liberalism, to go upstream of the DA so that the DA or whomever, whatever liberal party or, or party that, you know, manifests in some liberal way, uh, being the recipient thereof. It's, I, I've explained it to people, and I don't know if it's a good explanation, but it makes sense to me that the concept of education, of formal education, is a given. People just accept it's a good thing. No one asks which high school, you know, are you going to high school or whatever. It's always which high school are you going to. 
And that, that sort of acceptance, that baseline of commonality has not yet been established for liberalism in South Africa. We should no longer be in a position where we are trying to promote schools. That's the job of the schools. That's the job of you know, the political parties. We should just be fighting to get to that point where it is, of course, you believe in a free market. It's just which free market party are you going to support? The same way as we say, of course, you should get an education. It's just a matter of which education you're going to get. Um, so to, to my mind, that is not the job of a political party, because it would be like asking a school to, at the same time, promote itself as a destination for schooling while trying to convince a skeptic audience that schooling is worth it in the first place. Um, so it's an impossible ask for a political party. And it's sad that this political party has been shoved into this corner. But the best way out of it, the best way out of it is the activation of ordinary South Africans who believe in the broad swathe of freedom and liberalism, the, what we call the moderate middle. And I don't think that can come from the DA. And I have some sympathy for them. It's a terrifying business. I've been in party political campaigning. It's a terrifying business. It's not, it's not the battle of ideas. It's really just a battle of budgets and the scramble for votes. So it's it, in 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 a weird way. I, I, I I'm a harsh critic of the DA uh, regularly, but sometimes I do feel that us liberals can cut them some slack, knowing that if we did our job better, we would see them. Uh, enjoying the results. Um, so not to excuse them, but I do think that this ecosystem needs to be created at top speed, but we can't expect it of the DA to do. They just need to you know, keep up with the NDR as good as they can. Um, it really is up to outside actors to activate this latent liberalism in South Africa. Oh, and on the point of how will the DA do, uh, let me put a number on it. I, I probably expect them to get about 23% of the vote which would be down 3.9% on the 2016 results, but up 2.1%, yes, on the 2019 results. And I think that would be fine. It won't be spectacular. But in the last two years, the DA has decidedly taken a more liberal angle on especially things like race-based policy, and the free market. And that's to be welcome. So if they can just consolidate and stop hemorrhaging votes, I think that would be good. In the broader scheme of things, I don't think the posters will cost them too much. I think it stunted their growth. I don't think it knocked it back. Um, so I think were it for the posters, they might have trajected, they might have followed a trajectory into 25% or so. I just think the poster debacle stunted that growth. I don't think that act it actively cost them support. I think it cost them potential support. So I think we're going to see a DA around 23% and ANC around uh, 52%. Um, and an EFF probably between 12 and 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 14%. Before I give Martin a chance to disagree with you, because he was shaking his head now, um, no, 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 I was shaking going. my head in agreement. I was shaking my head in agreement about uh, the EFF Yeah, I don't want to uh, be like, oh, yes, the EFF is growing. That's great. No, it's terrible. It's terrible. Well, I mean, to play the, the objective, quote-unquote, 
uh, holistic point of view, they, they haven't won a mandate anyway. So do we actually know whether they can govern effectively or not? Or whether they want to. Um, mm. I, I, have, I have the suspicion that they are enjoying their perpetual, uh, petulant party political pandering. Uh, yeah, thank you for those P words. Uh, but I, I think they enjoy not being in, 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 in power. It, it, it serves their purpose. It serves their purpose not to have the responsibility of governance. And you saw them outsmart the DA in the 2016 negotiations where they gave the DA what the DA thought they wanted. But actually, the EFF got from it a win, uh, you know, two, th several bites at the apple. They got the idea of we got the ANC out of power. We put the DA in power. We are the real kingmakers. But they had no responsibilities. And I've got a very strong sneaking suspicion that the EFF want no government responsibilities. They are enjoying uh, the cheap seats. Okay, before we unpack the EFF and Freedom Front Plus, just a bit more specifically, and all due respect to the quote-unquote smaller parties, I just wanted to get both your thoughts on this quote-unquote phenomenon of the possibility of co more coalition government, uh, which seems to be... Not sweeping the world, I don't want to say, but I mean, in the latest German elections, it seems to be now the way forward, at least according to The Economist, that's the sort of now path going with coalitions. Do you foresee that being a bigger trend in South Africa specifically? And I don't know if this is the right way to phrase the sort of B part of the question, but where do you see the biggest sort of or the tightest battlegrounds, as it were? Hmm. Uh, maybe Martin, if you want to go first. Yeah, no, sure. Um... I, I really don't know, but I I hope so. <laughs> I I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of of the idea of coalition government, uh, and I'm I'm glad that I had, when Harman was talking now, he uh, said that the DA will reach a ceiling of something like twenty eight percent, and I mean that's that's excellent to me. I the the idea of a party that that has uh, the type of dominance that the ANC has had in in, in South Africa really really frightens me. Uh, it it's 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 very dangerous in in a in a constitutional system uh in a, in a system that that hopes to control power for that to come about and i mean i i don't want the da to be a dominant force because i know how precarious liberalism in a political party is uh, the moment the da tastes real power you might just see any vestiges of liberalism just evaporate and then it's boris johnson <laughs> yes yeah yeah i mean it's yeah the the covid uh, the responses to covid as well i mean show exactly that there's been a it doesn't matter who's been in power in any country like all across the world without with one or two exceptions it doesn't matter who was in power there was a uniform response to this this thing and it was it was uh to greater and smaller extents equally authoritarian um so yeah you i think you want coalition governments you you want uh, uh there to be that fragmentation now what what bothers me in south africa is uh, and it's always going to be this with me is the eff <laughs> uh, and that is to say that it doesn't to my mind it really doesn't matter whether the anc goes below 50 because the eff is, is growing uh, and and that that in my mind just means a, a anc plus uh, uh, so the, the, the ANC proper losing votes to the EFF is taking money out of your your one left pocket and putting it in your far left pocket. Uh, it's still your pocket, uh, that, 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 and that's that's very that's a big problem. <laughs> uh, I I I think that um, that South Africa is going to have to 
come to terms with with the EFF being a very destructive force in our politics. Uh, it's it's not just going to be unstable coalitions, but it's 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 going to be coalitions that really race to the bottom to please the EFF's ideological uh, preconceptions, and that that includes all the worst things you can think of. Uh, 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 what, what, what's their promise during the, uh, the municipal elections now? They're going to have a some kind of wealth tax or a property tax or something that municipal governments are apparently going to gonna levy. I'm sure that if they, uh, uh, in, in certain municipalities, if they are, have a kingmaker role, that's what they're going to say. They're going to say, give us give us this policy so we can sell that to our voters uh, and say that we've we've now given, given our biggest promise uh, in this coalition. Now, that, to me, that that represents an absolute race to the bottom, uh, and and yeah, that's that's going to undermine the the idea of coalitions a little bit uh, for me. Uh, it's it's not like in in Germany uh, where you you really do have a nice spread of of uh, worldviews, I guess, within the paradigm of European politics, uh, where conservatives and liberals and everyone believes in the welfare state. Uh, so within that paradigm, you do have, uh, at least from my my reading, a, a, quite a nice spread. In South Africa, we don't yet have that spread. We have this moderate middle, uh, but they're out of they're outside of of the political system to a very large extent. Those of us who are in the political spectrum, uh, there's a very large proportion of people with extremely bad ideas, uh, and it's it's a it's a dominant. Uh, 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 part of part of our our political uh, uh, discourse and our political uh, paradigm. So yeah, we need to activate the moderate middle to to come back in and really uh, uh, even out the spread, I guess. Uh, and that's that's really what uh, and that that must stabilize uh, on on coalitions, I would say. And uh, I mean the Zambian thing that that Arman uh, referred to earlier. It's also a good example. I mean, there's. Uh, I think that the dominance of the was it the Patriotic Front has now been kind of broken, uh, yeah. and and the chances of that stabilizing in, in, into uh, an almost a Nigerian situation where you have the uh, uh, relative almost an American situation where you, the the major parties are relatively stable in their support base. That that would be good uh, uh, if there's, if there's that, that stabilization, but in South Africa, I mean, that, that'd be excellent. If we can get everyone down to about 30% or so, or so uh, that would be good. Uh, but then of course, I, I really take Armand's point about, um, there's a, there's a, a clock that's ticking by. And, uh, that is to a large extent why I, I guess I've, I've become cynical about the, the, more cynical <laughs> about the 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 prospects of the the formal electoral system being the the ticket to freedom in south africa uh, i've been hugely uh uh i guess uh positive about the phenomenon of communities really just saying well screw it we're gonna we're gonna carry on uh do your voting whatever we're now going to really uh, protect ourselves state proof ourselves uh, chaos-proof ourselves against this nonsense, and uh, uh, w some of the the benefits of having a collapsing state. And I'm not saying it's uh, overall a good thing, uh, but one of the benefits of that is that government really loses the the capability to stop communities from from helping themselves, and that that's really where South Africa is right now as we speak. Uh, uh, when the ANC took power in the 1990s. 
when it was biding its time in the negotiations, it knew that it was going to inherit this massive police force and, and military that uh, stood unrivaled in Africa. But that's now certainly not the case anymore. The, the, the military and the uh, security uh, apparatus is, is more a symbol of power than really power itself. And uh, I think we're in a we're at the beginning of a moment of intense constitutional creativity. Uh, uh, I'm I'm writing a series of articles for for the Daily Friend now. The first one was published uh, uh, Saturday, the seventeenth, um, uh, and in it, essentially, I think I I hypothesize that we are moving towards a point where the collapsing political situation is going to lead to i guess one of one of four things uh the first thing which i'm hoping it will and i think there are some indications that it will is that south africa will at some point have to federalize formally federalize constitutionally federalize uh because that's that's really the only uh, good option that the anc will have uh, the other option will be uh, South Africa is going to break apart. I, I, I think that's something the ANC does not want. Uh, and I think that's something that most South Africans fundamentally do not want. Uh, the entire thing is going to collapse and it's going to be uh, chaos and anarchy. Or we're going to uh, continue to hemorrhage and just uh, uh, go on the path of no growth that we are now, which I think is unlikely. I think... I think pe most people reach a point where they're like, no, we can't take it anymore. Something needs to give. Uh, so I'm, I'm quite optimistic in that respect. I don't think it's going to come from the electoral process. I think that circumstances, a collapsing economy being the number one factor uh, and the increasing provincialism, I guess, that, that we're seeing in, in the Western Cape, I think the Western Cape will be a catalyst for this, uh, is going to lead to a situation where the ANC won't have a choice but to make some radical constitutional changes, uh, uh, positive constitutional changes for, for us liberals. Uh, it, it simply will not have a choice. Uh, uh, I think that is, we're at the beginning, really, of, of that eventuality. And I don't think the, the ballot box is going to take us there. Uh, so I'm cynical about about the, the 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 use of the ballot box now. I'm getting getting increasingly cynical, but I'm I'm quite positive about uh, really where South Africa is going in a in a constitutional in a constitutional sense. Herman, just your thoughts on the coalition possibility? Yeah, I mean um, proportional representation or systems with elements of proportional representation are designed for coalition. Um, we we, uh, we we don't have a constituency-based or a purely constituency-based system like the UK, um, where you need to win a majority of seats, you don't need to win a majority of votes or whatever, uh, where, where there isn't a direct correlation between the percentage of your support and the percentage of, um, you know, legislative seats you occupy. So in a proportional system, it's, 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 it, it implies heavily that coalitions will be the way forward. Um, and I don't think I'm as, I'm as down on the ballot box as Martin is. I might just be more naive. I mean, that's a very real possibility. Um, it's always dangerous to disagree with Martin. Um, but the thing is, we, we, we're getting into some really almost psychological stuff. Uh, when 
we look at things like the nation state, um, democracy within the nation state, it almost becomes an issue or a question of subjective, emotive, symbolic relevance. Um, and I think that's where the ballot box, get, ballot box primarily gets its power from. Uh, I don't think uh, the ballot box demands um, the loyalty uh, it, or, or the fealty. Um, it has, for the last 200 years across the world, you know, in democracies, because it is a great functional mechanism. I think it has survived and will probably continue to survive because it is a symbolic mechanism um, with some practical implications. Um, so the question then ultimately, almost in a behavioral psychology kind of way, becomes how can political parties harness the behavioral psychological potency of the ballot box to empower a certain set of ideas? Um, so when we look at the way forward for South Africa's democracy, I think people will harbor a nostalgic, perhaps even melancholic desire for the ballot box to be what it is. It's a bit like uh, Kikoro or Cicero preaching in the Senate about a republic that only existed in his mind and in his heart. Um, the love for democracy will probably go a similar route. It is not a great system but it is such a beautiful system in a way that we want it to be a good system and i think if i think humanity in the in the, in the uh, modern sense of the word you know from the 18th century onwards um wants democracy to be a beautiful system so i think that's what will keep it alive now the question is that symbolism will it be politically potent that I don't know. That I don't know. I think the ballot box will continue to exist with varying you know, degrees of influence. But will it actually become the touch point of constitutional mechanism or, or functioning for a set of decisions to be made in a specific way with a specific underlying philosophy? I, I don't know, but I think it can and I hope it can. Uh, because the moderate middle, the data shows, does exist. But again, the caveat of saying that we should not read into a basket of priorities and interests an ideological identity. However, if political parties can, from this basket of priorities and issues, at least manufacture something more than a potent symbol um, out of the ballot boxes you know, existence. I think we're, we're really off to the races. And in this regard, let me go off on a little tangent. One of my most fundamental frustrations, the buggest of bugbears that I have in South African politics is the ACDP. In a country that is 86% Christian, with a moderate middle, small C conservative, free market, traditional, religious, you know, cisgendered um, society, that the ACDP is a political non-entity is to me just the greatest political shame 
this country can encounter. The ACDP has the potential to be one of the three or at least two most relevant parties in this country, and it is as irrelevant as mosquito farts. It really is a tragedy of epic proportions, and that is what places a lot of strain on a party like the DA, because the DA must then become the be-all and end-all for everyone who forms loosely part of a centrist, centre-right coalition. But if the bloody parties like the ACDP can start acting like a political party, can discover some gumption, can get something representing an ecosystem or political purpose, then you can actually start harnessing the ballot box to build strong coalitions, not tangential symbolic coalitions that just uh, give the perception of or, or, or give the emotional security of at least someone's in charge somewhere. But if you can have an ACDP performing as it should in the 10%, between 10 and 15%. You've got the DA stabilizing around 28%. You've got an IFP that discovers some of its, you know, traditionalist Zulu nationalism with its pride in self-doing. A pride, I might add, is a psychological non-negotiable part of the free market. If you can get the IFP back to something like a 10% party, you can get the Freedom Front Plus to stabilize around 4%. Coke can be, you know, something like a multiracial Freedom Front Plus. I don't know, around 3%. If you start getting these political parties to actually behave like political parties, then you actually can have the potency of the ballot box's symbolism transform loose streams of center-right thought that constructs the moderate middle into a coherent political alternative to the ANC-EFF hegemonic madness. My frustration with South African politics is not that it is too toxic or that it is too... It is just subpar. It is just bad. The politicians we have in there often are just useless, where they've bought into this idea that, oh, you know, just, just I don't know, stop the, de de delay the decline or let the, the patient not suffer too much on their way to the morgue or state hospital. But I repeat myself. The thing here is that we've got such non-entity, amateur, our political parties. And we, the South African voter, we let them get away with it. We let them get away with it time and time again because somewhere the Calvinist idea kicked in that politics is not something to be discussed. Politics is something that happens elsewhere once a few years in a school hall or in a parky somewhere near a seesaw. For the rest of the time, politics is a no-go. It is, oh, don't go near Uncle Ntando's opinions of this and that. You know, just, just leave it. And that is a fundamental upstream abdication of any responsibility, any civic responsibility. So if we can actually not just activate the moderate middle, but make take the dirty wordness away from politics, and just go, let's not call it politics. Let's not call it ideology. Let's just call it, what will the government do with my taxes? Can we just have that as a stable conversation starter? Can we have that on bloody fortune cookies or printed on the insides of McDonald's boxes or just spell it out in Steers sauce on every county you encounter? The moment we can get that taboo bullshit 
out of South African political discussion in the smallest of private spheres, that's the moment when we actually make a breakthrough. We can try to have the ballot box mean A, B, and C. The political parties can promise A, B, and C. But until politics becomes a responsibility of the citizen, a civic engagement, uh, well, then, then uh, until that happens, we're dead. And that's what we should do. That is what the moderate middle should be activated for. To say that, you know, believing that the market should be free is a good thing that goes well with eggs, bacon, fried tomatoes, a piece of toast and baked beans that have a breakfast and a bit of a political conversation. Until we get to that point, it's dead on arrival. It is absolutely dead on arrival. And it's because of that, I don't know, tabooness that the standard and the quality of South African politics is so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing because there are good people in the parties, really, genuinely. In every single party, I think they are, okay, not every single party, in most of the parties, they are genuinely good public servants. But they are let down by this curse of low expectations partnered with a tabooism partnered with a cynical irrelevance and a naivety that surely the worst can't happen in South Africa. But yeah, so long and short of it is, if you ask me about coalitions, I will go into a 45-minute rant about how the ACDP is disappointing me and God. But I, I, I do think that if we want to get to a point where we can actually save South Africa in a federal way, in a federal way, because I think people want that, then we need to get upstream and get people not just to care about politics, but get them to care enough about politics so that it becomes, you know, part of the water cooler conversation in a way. And don't call it politics. Don't call it capitalism. Screw the isms. Just call it, oh, have you seen what Gwede Matasha has done with our taxes lately? Just that. Just that. And, and I think that will give rise to the stable sort of coalition, the platonic coalition that we aspire to, where you've got a healthy classical liberal section, you've got a healthy conservative section, you've got a healthy, you know, uh, uh, um, center-right coalition that governed, that managed to govern Cape Town in a seven-party coalition for five years, a full municipal term. But anyhow, before I, you know, ramble into further incoherence, let me let me stop there. Yeah, now that Herman has psychoanalyzed and emasculated the South African nation, nationhood, and he failed to mention hash browns or ciabatta in terms of breakfast, and he mentioned Plato, so he's never going to talk on this podcast ever again. Martin, <laughs> we have to give the Freedom Front Plus some airtime. So your thoughts on how they might do, I mean, they've got this yeah. sort of, strongholds as it were but do you think they'll like they did in previous elections take some votes from the da continue to do that do you see some bigger growth for them i don't know how closely you've been following their messaging yeah no look i so i'm i'm definitely no uh political analyst like herman so i my predictions about uh uh, uh party growth and so on usually would probably be wrong but uh, i can only talk about what what my feeling and and uh, gut says about it um i'm 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 unimpressed i'm very unimpressed by the freedom front i uh i i've been reading a lot about their history recently and uh that's that's unfortunately made me a lot more a lot more lot more unimpressed <laughs> uh it's it's not a an entity that really came out came about as a a principled defense of their values and i think probably most of their values i I completely agree with. Um, 
that didn't happen. They they really just came out of the the old conservative party and some other organizations in a very haphazard way, um, and they've well, when when they grew in the in the last national and in the last general election, I was quite excited. I thought that this this meant that the uh, center right uh, uh, con- uh, suburb conservatism, let's call it. Uh, was taking on a a more ma- masculine uh, muscular uh, type of uh, uh, char- character, um, and that just petered away. <laughs> it the, the last you heard about fighting back was in the twenty nineteen election. I don't know where the where where the Freedom Front has really fought back. The the Democratic Party, when it was a small party in the nineteen nineties. Uh, it really did fight back. It, you 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 continuously heard about what the Democratic Party was doing, even though it had a negligible share of the vote and a negligible amount of of seats in Parliament. Now the same is not true of the of the Freedom Front. Um, they and and I think Arman will probably disagree with me on on this, uh, but it's it's a point I've I've made before. Is I really think that the the Freedom Front and also the DA to an extent. Needs to occupy a space where they really roll up their their uh, uh, their sleeves and drop the parliamentary uh, the parliamentary attitude, the parliamentary uh, the pretense of of British and European parliamentarism. Uh, the EFF has done this, and I am a big believer in the school of learning from your enemies, and that has not harmed them. Now we can talk about the the implications of this for society. Surely, of course, I want a stable political culture. Uh, that's that's absolutely what I, as a, as a, a rule of law loving liberal, want. But given this reality that the National Democratic Revolution is here and it's steaming ahead without uh, with uh, with very little resistance, um, uh, the only the ANC's internal party battle is really that's the only resistance to the National Democratic Revolution. Uh, and that's that's not a good thing. I want these the Freedom Front, uh, the ACDP, sure, definitely, given the very anti-Christian uh, nature of of uh, communism and socialism. Uh, I, I want these parties to get up and stand in front of Parliament and say, "Fuck y'all!" Seriously, that's that's that. I want more of that. Reverend want... Meshwe, I hope you're listening. Yes, no, I I, I mean. Uh, literally that i i i and and the freedom front in my mind at least uh kind of represented something in that moving in that direction with this idea of oh fight back we've now reached a point we're gonna we're gonna take the fight to them uh and no that that just didn't happen they are the most parliamentary parliamentary party in parliament and uh, that's not what what we need from the freedom front at, at this point in time uh i i think south africa is in that period where we need to suspend that for a while. We need people to to speak truth to power and then really say, listen, I'm not going to engage with the ANC and the EFF as if expropriation without compensation is just, it's just another day in parliament. We're getting together in a committee and we're discussing expropriation without compensation. No, the answer is no. ANC, EFF, we, this is unacceptable. You're, you are not going to do this. You're, you're, you're proposing the end of our constitutional order. You're proposing the beginning of the end of our democracy, of a state, of a, a prosperous. You're, you're taking the only 
seed of prosperity that could still grow and you're throwing it away. We're not going to discuss that with you as if it's just another day. We are going to draw a line in the sand and say, no, screw you. Screw you. And, and yes, chair, I'm not going to take it back. Kick me out of the, of, of, of the room. Do what the Irish do, uh, the, the Northern Irish. They get elected and they don't, they don't, they don't pitch. They don't go into parliament. So yes, that, that holds its own, uh, that certainly holds its own risks. Uh, but we are, I think, at that stage where we, we, need, we need street fighters in parliament. And I'm not saying that as a good in itself. I'm being very pragmatic here as someone who very much rallies against the idea of pragmatism. I am being very pragmatic here because I, I, can, I, I can smell the burning country around me. Uh, the EFF essentially was the catalyst for this starting. Uh, they, they are a hardcore Marxist-Leninist party by their own admission. They went into parliament and they said, we're not going to play this game. We have a vision of death and destruction that we want for South Africa, and we are going to pursue that. Uh, uh, and there's certainly a lot of what Arman says and that they don't want to govern, and they definitely won't govern if they get power. They will destroy every institution of governance. Uh, uh, they will uh, take whatever the, uh, the ANC hasn't stolen, and then they will destroy whatever, uh, whatever skeleton of an institution remains. And they are quite, they're quite open about that. They, they don't have pretenses of, con of constitutionality about their ideas. Uh, at, in one election, they had posters talking about, uh, uh, what was it? They were incentivizing poverty at, uh, at, at some level, uh, really saying that, yeah, if, if you're poor, you can get all these things that people who aren't absolutely poor can't get. Uh, the, there is simply so much that we need to learn from the EFF if we want to counter that uh, groundswell that's, that's appearing there. And they, they are going to grow again in this election in a, in, a, in a very concerning way. And unless we really take the Freedom Front's apparent slogan, fight back, uh, there's, there's no way that, um, that that tide will be stopped. You need, to, you need to give the bully a bloody nose. And that, to me, was the, the kind of the role that I thought the Freedom Front would play. They would be the antithesis, to an extent, of the EFF in Parliament. Not the ideological antithesis, but the... Uh, uh, Okay, well, not antithesis. So that I, I want them to be the as radical. Too. Yeah, they, yeah, they need to be the people who do exactly what the EFF do, but for a different vision to, to bring about that, that, that balance. Shout back, at least. Shout back at the EFF when they shout at you. That's what I, 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 I had hoped for the Freedom Front. They did not deliver. And I guess with hindsight, it makes sense that they did not deliver. The, they sell stability as a message. They sell they sell a, a, a return to to uh, a type of uh, iconic uh, iconic 90s, 50 American type of middle class uh, stability. That that you you won't get that from a you won't get what I'm saying. I wanted the Freedom Front to be from the Freedom Front. Uh, so I, I I guess I was always wrong expecting that to happen. Uh, so I, I've been disappointed by the Freedom Front. But again, uh, my gut tells me that I, I think they're probably going to take a few extra votes from the DA uh, uh, as, a, as a part of the same process, probably, that, that started with uh, the 2019 election when the Freedom Front took uh, several, several tens of thousands of votes from the DA. I think that's probably still going to happen. Um, uh, 
I, I, I have no evidence to, to justify that, but I, I, I'm not sure the DA has done enough to address the questions that the voters who abandoned it for the Freedom Front, the, the, the concerns they had, they specifically had. Uh, uh, they, they haven't, for instance, fired that youth leader, uh, Luyulu Mpiti, I think, uh, who uh, is a race hustler. I mean, he, now, now that the party is no longer race hustling, he's no longer race hustling, but he's a, he's a race hustler. Uh, so uh, they haven't taken enough uh, action against the race hustlers in, in the DA yet. In my mind, that would indicate to the, free, the new Freedom Front voters that they would need to vote DA this time. So I think the Freedom Front is going to pick up quite a few votes uh, from the DA in this municipal election. Uh, maybe not enough to, to change the percentages that much, but I, I think we're probably still going to see that. Uh, so yeah, that's that's what my my gut tells me. Uh, I I don't follow the polls and the, the the surveys as quite as closely as I probably should, um, but that that really is the the feeling that I'm getting. But but I would definitely be interested, you know, if if Herman disagrees radically with me or or just a bit. <laughs> yeah, Herman, please your thoughts on the Freiheit Front, but also whether any um, quote unquote smaller parties jump out to you. From my point of view, one that I don't know if they'll necessarily do well or not, but one that jumps into my head is Action SA. So any others that you want to sort of bring up? Yeah. Um, so on the Freedom Front Plus, I, I don't think Martin is right um, with that they will, that the the damage from the DEA benefiting the Freedom Front Plus in 2019 will continue. I, I don't think so. I think an interesting thing has happened in the DA in the last two years that might not be terribly visible is for all the DA's flaws, their local councillors, ward councillors especially, are top quality. Um, of course, you've got your exceptions, and of course, you will you will hear stories about people having DA ward councillors that are not good at all, that are useless. But I mean, on the whole, um, I've spoken to some people who should be natural Freedom Front Plus voters, but who still have a DA ward councillor from the 2016 um, successful you know, uh, um, success of the of the DA with their 26.9% of the vote. Natural Freedom Front Plus voters who said they will vote DA, not because they like the party, but because they like and respect the local councillor. So for all the mistakes of traditional politics, there is, there is this element of a traditional party with some respectability. And I'll come on to Martin's point now because he, really, he makes a very good point, a point I... I'm not sure I disagree or agree with, but um, that where there is a party of some standing, of acknowledgement of process and structure, they attract people of competence um, rather than hotheads and um, you know opportunists. Um, and the DA is really known for, I think, in the whole country for if you've got a good ward councillor, the chances are very good that it's a DA ward councillor. I think that will stem the tide that might have started flowing in 2019 alongside the sidelining of of the you know bee but nice 
angle that Mosi Maimane took the DA um, and Lindiwe Mozibuko also took the DA on uh, during their catastrophic leadership of the party. Um, so I do think the Freedom Front Plus won't boost, be boosted significantly. Um, they, it's, it's the, and this is where the polling becomes quite difficult to follow because they are a very small party. I mean, they're a two to four percent party. Um, and, and the best polling I could see and I could find um, from whatever source uh, shows that they're a two to four percent party and they're going to get two to four percent of the votes, um, depending on where you are in the country. So I, I think nationally, the, the, the Freedom Front Plus will probably get like 2.6 percent of the vote or something. I don't think it will be a spectacular election for them. Um, and I think part of that is the advantage of incumbency isn't massive in South Africa, but where it is applicable, the ANC or the DA has it. Uh, the Freedom Front Plus uh, really, really doesn't. Um, with regards to the Queensbury rules or, or the civility question, oh, it's a tough one because I really have a lot of sympathy for Martin's point. However, Let me, yeah, I'll get back to that point. Let me make a slightly different point first. I don't see an EFF apocalypse coming. I don't. Um, I think the EFF is massively underperforming um, in a country that has 75% youth unemployment, the majority of them being male, the majority of them being black, the majority of them being in townships and rural areas. There where the EFF should be able to stoke the fires of Marxist anger and they're not um the eff should be a massive deal in south africa like the acdp perhaps to a smaller degree but in a country where three out of every four young people are unemployed and you've got a party that blatantly positions itself to appeal to those voters and they barely scratch double figures i think that's quite embarrassing i think that's political underperformance I think the EFF has a, has a has a very if the DA has a ceiling at twenty eight percent of the national vote, I think the EFF has a ceiling of fourteen percent of the national vote, because if you actually go look at where their votes come from, um, it's it's the black middle class, the intelligentsia, where the left has always gotten its support, where socialism has always gotten its support, and your ordinary South African is far too intelligent to be part of the intelligentsia. They are far too smart to be well-educated um, and to make the mistakes of well-educated idiots. Um, because, I mean, if you're a Marxist, uh, you know, you, you might have certain preconceptions, but if you're in a rural township or in a township somewhere, you still look both ways before you cross the street. Um, you don't just look left and to the far left. So I, I don't see the EFF being this massive threat that they are, uh, or, or that they that that Martin uh, uh, thinks them to be, for the simple reason that I think in a country in in these circumstances, yeah, they should be running away with the youth vote, running away with it, and they're hardly scratching it. Um, they're doing better than the DA, but far far below what they should actually be doing if they were a true radical revolutionary party. Where they, the EFF is strong is in the optics of politics. And I think Julius Malema is a genius 
a political genius to uh, to come from his um, you know not just cognitive but uh, uh, careerist deficits uh, to be fired from the ANC Youth League. I mean, I mean, I mean, let's not even talk about you know his lacking skill in carpentry, uh, but to 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 take the failures, personal and professional, that he has to endure, and still be one of the most relevant politicians in this country in a party that is you know vocal is quite spectacular um but that is because i think their antics play to their base and they've got a narrow base if you want uh freedom front plus or da or acdp or cope to do the antic politics thing it's going to alienate their bases because whether you like it or not there is in the middle class black and white afrikaans english and all other languages there is an aspiration of civility and if you are going to try and target the middle class vote and the aspirant middle class vote you can't throw out that idealistic value of civility so I do hear the anger and the frustration, and I share it. I wish that the system can be shaken up. I, I, I don't think that the way to do it is to pull, to, to, to take the EFF's tactics and, and, and swing it uh, for the right arguments. I think that's very much, that will be, become a, a values-based disconnect that people won't, appeal to some people might appeal to you. I might be fundamentally wrong but from the internal polling I could have seen that had been done over the past few weeks the group that shifted the strongest um, in terms of of the DA's posters and the perceived incivility of it was your middle class middle class white English voter the base of the DA for uh, for as long as it has existed so you do run into some profound difficulties where you know the brand and the product uh, need need to be in tune, um, and that's a difficult thing. That's a tough thing to do. However, that said, that said, I think there. I, I always say to people that if you want to understand electoral strategy, in my opinion, you only need to understand a few things: Brexit. The abolitionist movement, the Napoleonic Wars, and Donald Trump's victory. Because each of those managed to fundamentally convince public opinion through strategic excerpts. If you want to uh, have a political insurrection, you go the way of the Brexiteers. You build that ecosystem. They had an ecosystem, they had time of 40, 50 years. And they played by the Queensbury rules. They, the, the, the Brexiteers in the British Parliament were the best parliamentarians in the House. They were the ones who knew the procedures beautifully. Um, they weren't the ones who, who, like, you know, the Scottish Nationalists or, 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 you know, the Green Party made the most noise. But they played the game better than anyone else. It's a bit like Mitch McConnell. Um, in, in, in getting the Supreme Court that the Republicans have 
been desirous of for a century. He didn't do it through grandstanding. He did it through plainly, mind-numbingly boring procedural brilliance. So I do think there is something to be said for playing the game. And I think this is where Frederick von Selslava did fall short. He thought that he cannot bring down the political system from the inside. And I think Brexit shows the lie that that is. Brexit was, I think, such a great example of an extra-parliamentary movement led probably by Nigel Farage and an internal movement led by your your Bernard Jenkins, your Bill Cashes of the world, your own Pattersons, um, your Kate Hoeys. So I think it's not an either-or. If we want to establish the ecosystem, Martin, that you speak of, and I think you're right in doing that, we do it by a both-hand approach where we are outside developing liberal street fighting, um, but you are also in parliament, outmaneuvering, outvoting, outproceduring um, your opponents. Because I can promise you, I can promise you that if you had a dedicated coterie of 10 MPs who made it their business to study the procedures of the House, you would club every ANC member of parliament and every EFF member of parliament for a plain procedural six. So I do think that there is something to be said. I don't think it's as spectacular and it's flashy as as, as the guerrilla tactics of the EFF are. But I think there's a place for that, but outside of parliament, because for whatever liberalism wants to achieve, it has to acknowledge the symbolic or the, the love, the inherent love of symbols and establishments like the nation state, the flag, the national anthem, and parliamentary civility is part of that value-based aspiration to that 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 world. Um, so to conclude the 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 rambling that that you know I so often uh, you know get paid for, um, not tonight, obviously. Um, the EFF. I'm worried about, but not too worried about, because I think they're going to ceiling pretty soon. The Freedom Front Plus, I am going to share your sentiment, but for a different reason. And that is purely, I know for a fact that the Freedom Front Plus were caught on the hop by surprise by the number of votes and and, and, and seats they got in Parliament. And I'm, I'm afraid to say it. I'm afraid to say it, but I don't think the Freedom Front Plus is a serious party. For one simple reason. John Steenazen has a higher approval rating amongst Freedom Front Plus members than Peter Grunewald has. Sure. Okay. I don't really know how to segue that into the next question. Martin, I have oh, to there is the question um, of Action SA. Okay, you can get onto oh, Action SA, yes, but I was no. going to ask... Okay, no. so you can get onto Action SA, but... So I have to give Adam on the final, final word on the on the podcast. Otherwise, I get angry messages from him afterwards. So <laughs> give us your thoughts on some of the smaller parties, but also just your your sort of final, I don't know, pearls of knowledge, anything like that that you want to leave us with. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, again, the disclaimer that I'm, I'm certainly no uh, political analyst applies here as well, but... Uh, Action SA is is an interesting one. Um, uh, I think their uh, whole game is in Johannesburg. I think they were pretty clear about that from the 
from the very get-go, and that's where Herman Mashaba plans to be mayor. <laughs> so the fact that he chose that means that's where their game is going to be at its at its best. Now they have produced a few polls. I'm not sure if it's their own polls or uh, independent ones, but which show them taking a hell of a lot of votes uh, in in Johannesburg. Now I'm I mean that I find I find that very interesting. <laughs> um that, that that would be uh i guess it, it it if if they succeed in that if they become a a major force in johannesburg that could be the thing that has been talked about in i guess in our circles for many years now and that is that there should be a so-called black uh center-right political party that finally appears uh, uh where the ifp has failed where uh, where COPE, I guess, has has failed, uh, because that is a huge uh, electorate that that really is it doesn't function as a block, uh, which is I, I think very interesting. When you talk about conservatives in South Africa's political lingo, you are almost exclusively referring to to white conservatives. You are referring to the Freedom Front. You are referring to a certain part of the Democratic Alliance. Uh, it's it's not assumed when you talk about conservatives that you are also including the massive amount of black conservative conservatives in South Africa, and I think that's a grand shame. Uh, that's that's part of uh, why we don't have this nice spread of political parties in our active politics, and rather have this massive lean towards this the center left and then also to the to the uh, far left. Uh, so the so action as a I guess rep, I th- I hope represents that the possibility of that coming about. Now of course this is always subject to the the fact that I despise what they stand for. I think it's absolutely horrifying, uh, but not in the same way that the EFF is horrifying. It it, it it takes the pendulum all the way to the other side again. They have nice free market ideas on paper, which I I I can uh, I can. I guess congratulate whoever wrote that for that someone who has a good grasp of of uh, free market principles. Uh, but the the action as a uh, vehicle is almost entirely uh, driven and rigged towards scapegoating uh, foreigners in South Africa, which I think is absolutely disgusting. Uh, the nothing going on in South Africa today, going wrong in South Africa today, is due to foreigners, whether they're here legally or illegally or whatever. That is, they play absolutely no role in the collapse in the. Uh, there, there's this idea going around that unemployment is so high in South Africa because we have so many undocumented foreigners. That's the reason. Absolute hogwash. The, the, if that is true, that that uh, undocumented foreigners are taking the majority of of uh, of jobs or or i guess available uh, spots in in the informal economy it is only because the anc is steward, uh, shepherding or stewarding insane labor laws that put employers in the position that they would want to hire undocumented immigrants the source is not the fact that we have immigrants the uh, illegal immigrants is the source is because we have these absolutely insane scandinavian and french and german labor laws in an african country on the on the low end on a middle income uh, uh, african state that it's bonkers that is the reason why we have uh, uh, unemployment and that is also the reason why uh, foreigners find so many uh, uh, unregistered informal jobs at the expense of south africans 
so I, I find the Action SA's positioning on this to be very dishonest because I know Herman Mashaba knows this. I know, I know he knows this. He is not a, a stupid man. I know he knows what I just said is absolutely true, but he has hit a nerve uh, amongst many South Africans. And it, uh, I say that Action SA might become the black conservative party, but there's a hell of a lot of white South Africans who think that this is the coming of Jesus uh, in Herman Mashaba, which is uh, uh, wrong for, for all the same reasons. Uh, uh, and it's, it's this hate of foreigners, which just transcends any political issue seemingly in many countries in the world. The moment you can scapegoat foreigners, you're going to do well. So uh, I I despise uh, Action SA's message in this regard. And, and I, I dare I say I despise Action SA's messaging in this regard uh, worse, uh, more than I despise the ANC. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the action SA is doing to foreigners what the EFF does to white people, the ANC to a lesser mm -hmm. extent, but they, they're still, uh, they're still relatively moderate on that, I guess. So, so, uh, while, while I'm saying that action SA has the potential to become this black conservative, uh, uh to, to, to unite the black conservative bloc, it has that potential. It might absolutely not achieve that potential, but it has that potential to, to make black conservatives a functioning bloc in South Africa, a political bloc. Uh, which I think is good. I, I still think that that uh, what they propose is a problem, but they they might uh, really balance stuff out against the 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 left the the very strong left wing uh, block that that's uh, come around around the ANC and, and the EFF. Um, but again, I have I have no idea whether they they will achieve this. Uh, to an extent, I I really hope they achieve that. I I, I think the 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 sour taste that they leave in my mouth is probably worth uh, <laughs> worth us having that block united in South African politics. Uh, uh, so that's that's my thoughts on Action SA. Uh, my I guess some of my other thoughts on some of the the smaller political parties is I. I I'm unsure about how to feel about the DA again doing this. Never, don't dare vote for for a small party. I I, I find that to be very rich coming from a, a political entity that at one point had a single member of parliament, one one person in parliament, uh, and then grew from there and then went from strength to strength, and then in '94 collapsed, and then from there grew itself up into the official opposition in, in South Africa again. I think it's extremely uneth unethical in a, in, a, in a certain way for the DA to act like that never happened, as if it's always been this second largest only alternative to the ANC that has ever existed in the history of, of South African politics. I think that's very dishonest. Um, then again, uh, I, I'm... I'm quite uh, uh, concerned about the National Democratic Revolution proving successful, and uh, uh, there might be something to be said for a, a unified, uh, uh, large political apparatus in the form of the DA getting temporarily maybe uh, a large share of, of the opposition vote, maybe the, all the opposition vote, so that it can stave off this threat. I, I guess there is something to be said for that. But I would rather the DA said that rather than saying, oh, don't vote, vote for a small party because uh, it just can't, it can never work. <laughs> uh, stop, stop doing that. Um, so yeah, my, I guess I would say vote for whatever you want as long as it's not the ANC or the EFF. 
um, I'll take those two options off the table for you. Uh, you you do not want to sink the country, so please uh, uh, pick another left-wing party other than them. There's a land party or something, so don't support them. Um, but yeah, so I mean, in in conclusion, I guess uh, I'll obviously give uh, Herman the the, la the last uh, word, and I think that's uh, <laughs> I think that's fair enough. Uh, I defer uh, as long as so long as everyone knows, I I really defer to Herman when it comes to uh, political analysis. Um, definitely that far has his finger far more on the pulse of of uh, what what's going on on the ground than I do. So. Uh, yeah, thank you for for that, Arman. It's always insightful uh, to to have these discussions with you. Um, but I guess my final word is, uh, to an extent, I'm going to repeat what I said um, uh, earlier, and that is that meet meet up with your meet up with your neighbors, meet up with your people who share your interests. Uh, your uh, both your normative things that you're interested in and and your your economic interests really, and start finding ways to make government irrelevant in your life. Uh, that is something that I think is going to be very crucial uh, in the next few years in South Africa. Uh, I'm not I'm not a, a in, in in Europe you have Euro skeptics. I'm not a South African skeptic. I don't I don't think that. Uh, the the south african project is doomed or it should be doomed i'm i'm not a uh, i am I, I i don't want the the project the south Af the rainbow nation project to collapse i'm uh i'm very much in favor of it uh but it to me looking at our our political situation i i see a dire situation uh, a dire thing uh, developing um and i'm i'm not sure the electoral process is going to catch up to it in time. Uh, I think our economic uh, situation is is very dire. The amount of unemployed people in this country is is incredibly concerning. Uh, uh, I, I keep reading that it's it's the the worst formal unemployment rate in the world, or something like that. It's that that's they people keep calling it a ticking time bomb, but it's it's it actually surprises me that the bomb hasn't gone off yet. Uh, at at this level, and uh, I, I I see that the deteriorating situation moving faster than our politics can keep up. We have elections every five years, uh, municipal and national. I'm not sure the ballot box is going to keep up. Uh, so get in, become a member of a community based organization. I can very easily recommend Solidarity and Afri Forum. Get even in light of many of the differences I have with their uh, some of the portions of their value statements, uh, I think to a very large extent that they fill an, an incredibly important gap that is growing larger in South Africa. And, and that's a gap that does need to be filled. So uh, become a member of those organizations, or if you have a local association, please do so. Um, uh, do not support state schools. If you can afford it, put your kids in a private school. Uh, the IRR is excellent uh, project on on uh, critical race theory in schools. Uh, is really, I think, increasingly going to draw attention to how our children are being indoctrinated, and I, I that 
that gets to a very low point in politics, in my estimation. And I, I think the only answer there is to withdraw completely from the system. Do not allow your children to be psychologically and emotionally abused in this way. Uh, withdraw your support there. Um, withdraw your support from the state in any way that you can legally do. Do not ever give the state more money than you absolutely and legally have to. Do not voluntarily offer up your services to the state in any way. If you have the choice, please do not do business with the state. We we deal with so many people who heart-wrenching stories of small business people being wiped out because the state does not pay uh, after a, a service has been uh, rendered to them. If you If you have any choice, do not do business with the state. Cut them off there. Um, now, that all being said, uh, please vote. <laughs> uh, uh, I am not, I am not uh, uh, against uh, uh, participation in the formal and the constitutional political system. I think that you need to do both things. Uh, the, the, the notion that we are so far gone that uh, we should just focus on community initiative and forget about politics, that is very dangerous. That is extremely dangerous because you allow, by in so doing, you allow the National Democratic Revolution to pick up speed and to destroy any community initiative you are building. Uh, so please, please do vote. Uh, uh, I'm not. I'm not saying that vote for any lofty goals or ideals. I'm saying vote in self-defense. Vote in defense of yourself, and your community, and your property, and your and your liberty. Really, at the end of the day, just pick the least evil party you can think of and vote for them. Um, and yeah, my final point um, is. This, for from me at least, this has been very uh, cynical and negative, but absolutely never become a defeatist. That I despise defeatism, and I say this in many uh, podcasts that I participate in. I'm 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 picking up on a lot of defeatism amongst, firstly amongst classical liberals, uh, and and liberals more broadly, but uh, also amongst South Africans in general. Uh, do do not go there. Uh, the situation is not, and it will never be, so dire that we just have to roll over and die. Uh, uh, liberty is, I think, literally always within our grasp. It, all it needs is for us to reach out and take it. Uh, and that usually does not take a lot of effort, but it does take a conscious effort. Um, uh, so do not become defeatist. Uh, get involved, write letters talk to people, do exactly what Armand said, do not shy away from politics at the water cooler, do not shy away from politics at the family dinner table, uh, uh, talk to people, make your voice heard. Uh, and if a small, very small amount of people do that, uh, I keep seeing this number, three and a half percent of the political, uh, politically active population. That is all you really need to drive sustainable change in society. And that that really, uh, I would be surprised if we're not already almost there. Uh, all we need is a bit more conscious effort in a certain direction. So yeah, never throw your hands up in defeat. Uh, defeat is not even close by. So don't don't let your mind go there. Um, and of course, please support the, the rational standard. This is the RS podcast after all. Uh, uh, we try to be uh, a voice for for liberalism uh, for for the for private voluntary solutions to our most pressing problems uh so if you can support us support other organizations like the rational standard 
uh, you will be doing a huge service to the cause of freedom uh, and uh, uh, you will forestall the, the defeatist wave. And uh, I implore you to please do that. Thank you. I think Martin was as cynical as usual, but maybe that's just me being numb to it at this point. <laughs> Marman, uh, you've got the final three minutes. Anything uh, yeah, so, to, so, to, so to, first... to improve on what Martin said? Uh, no. Uh, but uh, but, but on, okay, on another subject, on, a, on, a, on another subject, I, I I just want to say the angry messages I sent to you has nothing nothing to do with the fact that I don't get the last word. It's just because I'm an angry person uh, and I've got your yeah. number. So um, please don't Time associate it with my, my yeah. Don't associate it with my character. Just associate it with my personality. All right. So um, let me let me run through through a few quick things. Action SA I think is doomed. I think it's dead on arrival. Martin mentioned Luyolo Mpiti. Now, Luyolo Mpiti was then a prominent DA youth member who tweeted out during the Swaziladeka incident, um, really fanning the flames of the alleged racist narrative. I happen to know the reason he did that was because white English men in the leadership roles of the party urged him to do that one of those being now have let, let me not name names uh, now being key to action sa's management so if you want to connect the failure of luyolo and pt oh, oh and then when it went south he got a a, a a reward or a compensation by being moved really high up the, the candidate list to be assured a parliamentary seat. So that's dirty dealing politics. But the persons responsible for it are either no longer involved in the DA or involved in Action SA. So that narrative of race baiting um, uh, based politics really runs in the organizational DNA of Action SA, I'm afraid. Um, and uh, full disclosure, uh, I've been on the receiving end from this uh, of this from Herman Oshaba himself. When I went on television and I opposed BEE, as he once did, he went after me on Twitter and called my parents white supremacists. It didn't. Then when I tried to you know, answer him by quoting Thomas Sowell at him, he just doubled down uh, because, you know, I'm such a massive white supremacist that I quoted one of the greatest free market uh, economists who happened to be black. But, you know, that's just the type of white supremacist I am. Um, I've got a multicolored clan hood. Um, I'm writing a musical. Andrew Lloyd Webber is not returning my calls. Um, but the long and short of this uh, is I think Action SA is, is doomed. I think it's, it's poisoned from the start by a managerial misjudgment of race politics in South Africa, organizational misjudgment. Secondly, I think parties that start off with the leftovers of, or rejects of other parties do not do well. To quote a grand statesman of our time, they're not sending their best. Some of them, I assume, are good people. 
but they're not sending their best. So Action SA, I have very low hopes for. The poll Martin referred to, I mean, you it, it's just, it's 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 bogus. Um, that's very, very sad, but the, you can't find the methodology anywhere. You can't find how they did it, where they did it. Um, someone from an opposing party sent me a WhatsApp saying, well, we can do a poll on WhatsApp and show we're going to get 39, you know, 93% of the polling, so of, of, of the support in Johannesburg. So Action SA, I've got very low hopes for. But as Martin points out, they might tap into a vein of public frustration with the status quo and with the establishment, the DA being seen as part of the establishment. If that happens, I don't think it'll last long because I think this, uh, this, this, this fundamental rot at its core will show over the next five years or whatever. Um, so if it does well now and it does well in the 2024 general elections, I don't think it's sustainable. A bit like COPE wasn't sustainable because it was set up on a weak foundation. COPE was set up on a weak foundation ideologically and managerially, and Action is a dissent. Um, so that's Action is a. Then a, a few points um, that I want to actually just... Okay, okay, right. I'll tell I'll, okay. In 19, 15th of August 1985, P.W. Boerter, index finger in the air, made the Rubicon speech where he doubled down, tripled down, quadrupled down on apartheid, saying he will not lead white South Africans and other minorities down the road of abdication and suicide. Less than a, 10 years later, or less than a decade later, Nelson Mandela walks onto the pitch at Ellis Park with 40,000 Afrikaans white men chanting Nelson, Nelson, Nelson. Put the merit of it aside. Appreciate the massive paradigm shift that happened between 1985 and 1995. The greatest failure of defeatism is to accept that the paradigm, the status quo, is unassailable. It never is. It never is. The moment you buy into that, you get the type of politics we are facing now, where the Freedom Front Plus, the ACDP cope, where these parties that should be out in the country convincing South Africans that a different South Africa is possible are actually just trying to convince a few DA voters or a few ACDP voters to vote for them rather than the other opposition party. The moment you get nihilistic, defeatist, hopeless politics, you get into petty squabbling over a shrinking pie. And that's what's going on. And the DA is guilty of this as well. So don't buy into the defeatism because that is absolutely a cause of bad politics. It's a cause of actual failure when the original basis for the defeatism is tenuous at best. So appreciate that 10-year spin. Imagine, just to, to put that into context, temporarily, or temporarily, we are further away from the 2010 Soccer World Cup than we are, than, than the, the, the Rubicon speech and Ellis Park were from each other. And I remember the 2010 Soccer World Cup like it was just the other day. So appreciate a 10-year time space is a massive amount of time for the, for the paradigm the status quo to crumble and to crumble into its, you know, uh, insert appropriate swear word. Um, but the, the thing is, it's a bit like Hemingway said about bankruptcy. How do you go bankrupt? Well, at first very slow and then suddenly all at once. Another thing that I want to, and this is perhaps what I leave you with, because listen to Martin um, and I, where, where he might defer to, to, to the trivial trivialities of, of political safari watching 
to me, I defer to him in terms of the fundamental understanding of freedom and liberalism and property rights. Um, and, and, and I, you know, take the compliments I receive from him and I give it back to him because, you know, I believe in All property right. rights. Okay. 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 Enough of the both of you. Okay. 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 Yeah. But I, I mean, you can't deny our love. Um, but then the final point that I will leave people with is this. If every person that in 2019 voted against the ANC or the EFF went out in the next two weeks and found one person, just one, who did not vote in the previous election and convinced them to vote in this election for any party other than the ANC and the EFF, there's a new majority coalition the next day. We have 36 million people who can vote, 27 million of them registered to vote, 17 million of them pitch up to vote, and then of that 17 million, about 11 million vote for the ANC EFF. If everyone who voted DA, Freedom Front Plus, Copa, Hong, whoever, just find one person and take them to the ballot box with you, the change is instant. Don't underestimate the potency of that. But resignation, defeatism, that's the worst thing possible that you can fall into now. So go out and vote. And, um, and if you care about South Africa, and I mean, you're two hours into this podcast, you pretty well should at this stage, um, take someone with you. Do go to the trouble of that. Once every few years, you know, put on your, your to-do list for the day, find non-voter, convince them to become voter. It really starts with that. Chris, Martin, on that, I'm going to shut up for a change. No better note on which to end. I have to thank both of you for more than two hours of your time. Otherwise, it just would have been me trying to proselytize about Ayn Rand or something. So thank you both very much uh, for that. We saved people. We saved RS listeners a hell of a lot of suffering. There we go. Exactly. (laughs) To the listeners, we, of course, hope you enjoyed this discussion and found it insightful. If you haven't yet, Subscribe to the RS channel wherever you're listening to this, be it on YouTube or on other podcast apps. Also, make sure that you check out the Rational Standard every day if you don't yet. Um, We also recommend, if possible, please support um, organizations such as the Free Market Foundation, the RR, Afriforum, Solidarteit, Sakeliga. Do your bit, as Martin mentioned, and uh, hopefully we can start pushing South Africa in a better direction. But until next time, good luck for the elections. We'll probably talk to you after that. Uh, Until then, take care and have a great week forward. Take care. Bye.